in a world full of negative people. Hey man, I'm just trying to be a positive guy, a positive farmer, a positive outfitter. This is the Shark Farmer Podcast with your host, Rob Sharkey. Whatever. Welcome to the Shark Farmer Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Rob Sharkey, and today we're going out to Missouri, somewhere out there. We're going to be talking to Kylie Epperson. How you doing, Kylie? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I couldn't be any better if you pinched me, or how the hell ever that phrase goes. I don't know. That's a, It's an Illinois saying. I don't think you guys probably do that in Missouri. No, I'm pretty sure over here on the good side of the river, we don't say that. I can't even argue with you because you talk to all these people from the 49 other states and they're all proud of their states. And then we got Illinois, who's embarrassed of our state. (laughs) You said it. I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But you're out there. You're in Missouri. You guys farm, correct? That is correct. Yes. We are row crop farmers and hog farmers. Are you on a swing of harvest? Yes, we just got quite a bit of rain, and so we are taking a little break, but we have been hitting it hard and heavy for the last few weeks. Do you guys have your own grain bins? We do. We have quite a bit of storage. My in-laws have built slowly over the years and just continue to add on, and so then Jordan and I rent those, and we're really fortunate for that. Here's the thing. you know, like, well, I've got bins, too, and then when you put the corn or the beans in there, and then you have to do the whole thing with the bin fan, right? You got to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. I never remember. I had a guy tell me, he said, you just turn it on and you forget it. I did that. And then I got the bill from the power company and I about had a heart attack. It's so hard to know when to turn on and off your fan compared to the humidity and whether you want to dry down that crop, keep it the way it is or add a little moisture. But guess what, Kylie? Guess what? What? <laughs> Now there's a product that can do that for you. It's called Steps GMS. Here's the thing. What they do is they get you hooked up to the internet. You ever heard of that thing? Actually, I have. Yeah. So you put this thing on your fan controls there on your bin, and then it shoots a a thing up to the, I don't know, the, the World Wide Web or whatever the hell they call it. And it's telling them, hey, you know, the percentage of humidity is this and the temperature is this. And it knows what's in your bin, and it knows the temperature and the humidity of what's in your bin. And then it controls a fan for you. It turns it on and off for you. I mean, how brilliant is that? Wow. I wouldn't know the first thing about turning bin fans on, but my husband would sure be interested in hearing about it. Well, you generally, you hit a switch. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like running a Roomba. I'm not privileged enough to have that either. You don't have one of the self-running vacuums? manual around here. I got to run it myself. Uh, I tell you what, uh, Christmas is coming. I'm just saying. I know. I'm just going to have to drop hints, I suppose, but I'm not sure vacuum cleaner is the best Christmas gift. Maybe I'll just (laughs) buy it for myself. All right. But for your husband, you got to look into the Steps GMS. You want to keep your crops at the conditions that you want. You don't want to dry them down too much. You don't want them to spoil. Steps GMS. Go to stepsgms.com. I guarantee you, Kylie, you will not be disappointed. I don't care if you've never turned on a bin fan. Go to this website. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. How about that? Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. Well, I thought that ad went pretty well. How about you? Yeah. I interviewed the guy once, Eli Troyer. 
is the guy's name. He invented this. Could you imagine inventing something? I mean, you and I just kind of waddle through life not really doing anything. Could you actually mean actually inventing something? I have no science. Uh, it's just not my thing. Science isn't. So I cannot imagine creating something that would be useful to other people besides myself. I think I just became a teacher, like got my degree because I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. So so Kylie Epperson, uh, yes. What part of Missouri are you from? Northeast, right along the Mississippi. Like how far from the Mississippi? About 30 miles. We take a lot of our grain to Louisiana, Missouri, which is right on the river. Gotcha. Now, do you have a boat? My in-laws do. That's the best way to have a boat, isn't it? Someone else actually owns it? Oh, for sure. We just get to borrow it and we clean it before and after and fill it up with fuel. And it's basically a win-win for us. Why do you got to clean it? It's a boat. It was in the water. Well, it stays in the shed often. You know, we're farmers. We don't get out as much as we'd like to. And it's got to get all the dust off of it first. And then we clean it up on the way home after it gets all that scum on it. Uh, I forgot the Mississippi. That's full of like dead bodies and stuff. But Kylie, were you a farm girl? I was not. Okay. I grew in a rural community, but not on the farm by any means. Okay, so take us through the process of how you ended up where you are now. I married a farmer, so that is my initial interaction with becoming a farmer. Mm -hmm. It's because, hey, my husband is. We met in high school and started dating. Like I said, I came from a rural community. We grew up about 15 miles away from each other, and we met in FFA at a like chicken judging contest, which is quite interesting when you're 15 and you meet some boy judging chickens, but hey, it was meant to be, obviously. All right. So you met your husband at a a chicken judging contest. Now, were you both judges? We were students judging chickens for a contest, which is crazy. Jordan was horrible at it. And so he snuck his way into my group and then spent the whole day with me, which was really fun. And he gave me his number at the end. And that was really history. We started dating and went through college and got married right out of college. And then I became a farmer. So okay. Really whoa, 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 whoa. So he snuck into your group. He was trying to hit on you. That's the thing. That's right. That is exactly right. Okay. He well, obviously it worked. Trying. I guess. Yeah. I guess one thing that we learned about you immediately, it, it doesn't really matter if a guy has good chicken judging skills or not. You look deeper than that. <laughs> I suppose. I guess chicken judging wasn't my main priority that day either. Okay. Well, sweet. I mean, a lot of girls can't look past that. <laughs> <laughs> then I come to find out he has hogs, so I'm not sure what was better. All right. Eventually, you meet this guy, right? And everything's roses. But then you get down to the nitty gritty. You realize that you might end up the rest of your life with a farmer. Were you okay with that? Yeah, I was. I had no idea about the lifestyle. Like knowing what I know now, if I knew that then, I would still totally be interested. But I kind of thought I would have my own career off of the farm, at least for a while, as we got more serious. But Fate took us a different route, and I came back to the farm just a year after our marriage. But yeah, I like the farm life. Do you? 
I do. It's crazy and it's really hard sometimes. Really, 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 really hard. But a lot of times it's also really great. So it's good. Because we see it a lot, right? You get a gal that is not from a farm that marries into a farm and she really struggles. Uh, she struggles with the lifestyle. She struggles with the hours. She struggles with certain things having to be done at certain times. Now, is that something that you have had to learn or was that just no big deal for you? I had the benefit of dating Jordan for quite a few years prior to us actually becoming like engaged or married, but you still don't understand until you're expecting your husband to be home at a certain time. It really hit me after I had our first child. I had Brett in the middle of August and we started harvest exactly one week later and Jordan doesn't get paternity leave. That's not something that we, we don't even really know what sick leave is. Mm-hmm. And so Jordan went straight back to work and I had a little bit of the baby blues. And that was when I really had a really, really hard time being a new mom and a farm wife and not expecting so much of my husband. And so otherwise, I think if you don't own it, if you don't love the farm and you um, don't have that oh, what's the word? I can't think of a better word than ownership of it and a love for the farm. It would be really hard to accept the lifestyle because it is really long hours. And a lot of times everything else comes first before, you know, coming home for dinner. So like chores, livestock, all that comes first. So if that's late, it's late. You know, I always wondered, because Emily had enough farm background. She didn't grow up on a farm, but she grew up enough where her grandparents both farmed and that. Mm-hmm. I always wonder that because when, you know, we're doing this podcast and you're talking to farm wives that are explaining just what you did. When it came down to like a harvest or a planting season or something and she really wanted to do something, I'm like, you know, I got to get in the field. Uh, you know, how we would have handled that. And luckily, we never really had to because, again, she kind of understood it. But, I mean, what mm-hmm. does that initial conversation come with? Is it a deal where you're just asking, do you really have to do this right now? I think so. I don't think that I understood the the reason why it was so necessary for him to be gone so much. Why couldn't we wait to go to the field till that next day? Or why couldn't he take off at six and start back up at six in the morning so that we could go do something together or he could even just be home. But the older you get and the more years that you get put under your belt of farming, you understand this year, especially in 2019, if it even says it's going to rain a little bit, we hustle to the field to do whatever we have to do because it's been so crazy. And so at the beginning, I do think it's really, really, really hard for someone who is off the farm, who never knew the lifestyle to understand why it's not a nine to five job at all. It never will be. And if you don't really accept it, I don't know a better answer for that other than just having to tough it out. I think it will be hard on your marriage. Mm-hmm. So someone that's listening now that mm-hmm. is going through that exact same thing, right? She doesn't quite understand farming. And, and you want it if you didn't grow up in the lifestyle of it. You just want it. And now mm-hmm. she's realizing, say, the harvest is coming and that, yes, the priority is put not on the marriage, maybe sometimes is put more on the harvest side. Is it your advice to that person? Is it, I mean, because you did kind of just say maybe a little more harshness of toughing it up. 
would that be your advice for that person? Gosh, I hate to be so blunt, but in a way, yes, you have to really buckle down and not really lessen your expectations of your farmer spouse, your husband. You have to just change your expectations and know that it's not going to be harvest forever. Mm-hmm. Harvest is truly a season. So that may be three weeks for some people, that may be six, that may be eight, depending on the weather, but it's not forever. And when that season does end, you do get your farmer back to a certain extent. Like they will come home again. It's not an all year thing. So if you can really thicken that skin and toughen up and buckle down and maybe rely on other people for help, if you have your parents around or your friends, take some time for yourself if you have that ability. But just know that your husband or your farmer is where they need to be. So yes, to bluntly say, Thick skin, toughen up. And I'm not ripping on you. Honestly, I agree with you. And I'm glad you say it because being a farmer, whether it's grain or livestock or whatever, yes, there are certain times you have to do farming. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But it also affords you a lot of other freedoms that other jobs and careers won't. There's times where you can do certain things. I mean, to get the time off, you know, uh, on the off season isn't something that other careers necessarily afford. So, yes. If you want that, if you want uh, your farmer, whether it's a guy or a girl, to be happy, I think you do have to accept it. And you do have to look forward to when that harvest is over. And then you move into, I think, what is the true benefit of being a farm couple is those off times where you can spend more time doing things for yourselves than I would say the typical nine to five person could. Yeah, I agree. We like the flexibility and I think there's a misconception that, oh, farmers can take off whenever they want. Well, yeah, to a certain extent, any business owner who runs their own operation could take off whenever they want, but we still have a lot of responsibility. But in the same breath, we do get to be flexible when it's needed or when we really plan ahead. And that is such a huge benefit. I also really like bringing the kids to work. And I know you couldn't do that if you worked the regular nine to five. So that helps you. Exactly. You guys raise hogs. And I will tell you up front, hogs drove us to the almost the brink of bankruptcy. Uh, so I don't have a good I don't have a good relationship with hogs, but I sure. truly respect people that raise them because I know the work that goes into it and that you raise hogs. You guys had put up a hog building and then you had lost that building. What was that in what, 2018? That's correct. Yep. May of 2018. What once was Spring Lake Pork burnt to the ground. How old was that building? It was built and stocked with hogs at the very, very end of December in 2014. So four years old, three and a half years old. Which for a hog building is, I mean, you haven't even taken the shine off of it. No, we were banking on that baby standing for a good 50 years. (laughs) Well... You build a hog building, I think, if I remember going back like to the bank, I mean, they are expecting that building to stand for 30 years, right, for the mortgage or whatever? Currently, it's about 10 to 12 years, at least, uh, as far as like paying it off. But Mm -hmm. you really hope it to stand for 20, at least, just so you have at least 8 to 10 years of profit Mm -hmm. above and beyond your bank loans. But yeah, we were hoping for it to stand for much, much longer than what it did. (laughs) All right, take me through what happened that night. We have another operation, a 1,200-head fair-to-finish operation. So we've been raising hogs for a long time, and 
Jordan and I got married in 2013, and we were looking for a way to add to the farm. Uh, you remember we had decent crop prices in the late 2000s, and mm-hmm. hogs were good. And so we found kind of a niche market to build this facility, Spring Lake Pork. And so I came back to the farm after just a year of teaching, and this was like my baby. Spring Lake was my baby, I like to call it. I put an equal amount of work as the rest of our family to get it up and running. And I took care of all the book work and we'd had some disease in that facility when it was standing. But what was it? Purse? We had purse twice, that dang purse. Yeah. I know. Um, we had never had any disease on any of our farm for 20 years. So throughout to finish, we had had absolutely, we had blue, you know, nothing like mm-hmm. devastating though. Get PERS twice, had some management issues, got through all of that, and we were really coming on an upstride out of the disease. And if you don't know hogs, when you get disease, it's a very big stressor mentally and financially because there's just certain protocols that you have to take for the safety and well-being of the animal, but also just to minimize the exposure of the disease. We were really coming out of that. We had good production numbers getting ready to hit the ground. Our farrowing numbers were heading upward. And on the evening of May 18th, I remember because we had just traded in my car on Friday. (laughs) And that night, we got a phone call at 2 a.m. from our manager. Jordan said, oh, my gosh, Anthony is calling me. And we knew something was wrong because he never would call us at that time of night. And he said, Spring Lake's on fire. I need you to get there right now. Jordan said, you're kidding me with maybe a few more curse words in there. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there with my eyes like really big, like, tell me, tell me what, what happened, what happened. And so he proceeded to tell me that Spring Lake was on fire and he ran out of the house. Of course, I'm sitting in bed then with two kids sleeping. I couldn't go. That didn't make any sense. Not that I could have done anything, but they headed down. And by the time anyone got there, it was completely burnt to the ground. No hope in saving any part of the building, any hogs, nothing. So within like two hours, the whole facility burnt. Two buildings, actually. You posted a picture of it, and you're not kidding. That thing burnt to the ground. Yep, it has... Attic ventilation is part of it. And so we think that once it started in one of the hallways, it got sucked up into both of the attics and dropped it after it had burnt for just a short period of time. And after that, there was really no hope. Okay. Well, I guess a lot of people are, the first question is, was it insured? It was insured, correct? Yes. Okay. Thankfully. But as everybody that's had something like this happen finds out, you know, it's insured. But insurance does not mean that you just uh, are going through a flawless timeline financially. Even though it's insured, which is fantastic, it still costs you a lot of money, I'm assuming. Oh, of course. We were properly insured on the facility, but if you have any kind of business, you have to have business interruption insurance, and you have to have a separate policy for cleanup, and you have a separate policy for hogs. So we had multiple policies Fortunately, our insurance agent had advised us on many of these things, and we were really well insured. I'm so grateful for that. We thank the Lord every day that we were properly insured. And if there's one thing that you take from this whole fire situation that we took from it was to be properly insured in all you know areas of your business. But we 
got our hands tied pretty quick by the insurance because they wanted such a big claim Mm -hmm. that they wanted to put the blame on someone is kind of how we saw it. And so, or really just find out the cause, but we um, had to wait for three weeks to even touch the facility. And in May of 2018, it was very unlike this year. It was excessively hot, like in the upper 90s, which was crazy. And so our buildings just sat there and just soaked up the heat. With, nasty. with oh, so all nasty. those dead hogs in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof. That's Oof. Cool. Yeah. And so one added cost to us was that we cleaned it up ourselves. Um, our amazing employees, Jordan, my father-in-law, everybody was down there. When they gave us the go-ahead, it was just an electrical fire was the best we could come up with. No harm, no foul, just an accident, one of those freak things. Mm-hmm. But our guys cleaned it up, and that was a cost that we saved by doing it ourselves. But, my gosh, what a horrible thing to have to clean up. I, yeah, that had to be a smell that you probably uh, can still smell to this day. but. You've got the financial side of it, but here you are. You guys were a young couple, and you uh-huh. invested a lot into this, and now you get this this hammer thrown at you with this thing burning down. How are you two handling this? I would like to say after something that catastrophic, that big of a deal, especially to the structure of our business, that Jordan and I can really handle a lot of stress. And that's good because farming is a stressful business. If you can't handle it, it's going to weigh on you. There's all kinds of mental issues in farmers in the country and the world today. And so having something that heavy happen so young, I feel like we can handle just about anything. Did you talk to each other about it? I mean, like really talk to each other? Because when I was going through the thing with my hogs, uh, you know, I was holding back. Because I didn't want to let on to Emily how bad it really was. Were you guys in complete communication? Definitely not at first. Our whole family, my in-laws, they are very much a, okay, bad things happen. Like, let's move forward. Let's clean it up. Let's figure out what we're doing. We're going to keep moving forward. And, And I admire that about them so much. And so Jordan and I just fell in step and said, okay. Let's clean it up. Let's get it going. Let's work on financials. Let's get this through. And so definitely not at first. We kind of just fell into that day-to-day, keep moving, still had to run the grain operation, still had to do other areas of the business. But I think it got easier to talk about the farther we got out. And so we definitely knew where we both stood on the issue, but we both operate very differently, Jordan and I. And so sometimes it was better not to talk about it because we didn't always agree. Yeah. Also that year, you, uh, what was the deal with the, the truck accident? About one month later, we had a semi that was picking up from one of our rented barns and he ran a tire off of the road and he ran his truck into a culvert and God was watching over him at that time, and it is a, a miracle that he is still living, wrecked the truck and trailer, and it was a really, we were going into a drought because it had been so hot. We hadn't had any rain. That was probably like the icing on the cake at that point. That picture of that truck does not look like anybody survived it. 
the only area in that truck that was open. It was only his seat. The only place that he could have survived was in the seat that he was in. That's nuts. All right. This brings up another thing, right? I was watching your Instagram stories and something dawned on me because I was kind of putting in my mind what we were going to talk about and that you, you do worry about Jordan getting hurt a lot. Is that fair to say? It's not on the forefront of my mind, but it's always in the back of my mind. Yes. <laughs> Is this where I call bull? <laughs> no. It, okay. So I don't worry a lot. I am a worrier in some things, but that's not one of them. Like I don't sit and say, oh my gosh, is Jordan going to drive without his seatbelt on? But it does really tick me off when I find out he doesn't wear his seatbelt in the semi. Well, not just like that. that. Like, no, I'm talking like farm freaky accidents. Freaky farm accidents. Does that go back to like the fire and the truck accident? Maybe maybe the truck accident, especially like the anxiety of that whole situation. Plus then the fire, we were so lucky that no one was in the building at the time. Like we had a crew that worked 21 hours of the day. And that night they've gone home. Fridays were a night where they got off early. So what if someone had been in there? What if Jordan had been in there? What if our employees? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe we're unlocking some secrets of my soul. (laughs) It's like (laughs) freaking Oprah over here. I told you, I was thinking that because I just got done talking to you and I knew about the building burning down and I knew about the truck accident. And then I saw that story. And you were mad at him for climbing up on a bin in a rainstorm, which I've I've done. I, I guess everybody's done. I right? wouldn't have given it a second thought. I would have climbed up there. But then it made sense to me where you would be a lot more sensitive about this stuff because of maybe those two incidents. I guess. Yeah, it's not fun to think about your husband working in one of the most dangerous professions, and it's. It's not a fun thing to think about as the wife and the caretaker of the children and the one who takes care of everything around here to think that some freak accident could happen and, you know, really has an an okay likelihood of happening. Mm -hmm. You just hope that you're prepared for it and you can dodge the accident. It's not a fun thing to think about as the wife. The wife. Do you call yourself a farmer? Yes. I'm a farm wife. Honestly, I think you should. Yeah, uh, definitely. You do the farm her thing, do you? No, not really. But okay. I just I would fall into multiple categories. Okay. From what I know about you, honestly, I would say you're a farmer. But yeah, I I get also why you would say farm wife. We had a guest one time, and they asked me if I'd ever been to referred to as a farm husband. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? No, but I I guess it. No, it'd be really weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. But yet, we call you Farm Wives. In fact, you called your podcast that. Yeah, Midwest Farm Wives. I don't know. I don't do the day-to-day. Like, you could not send me out to run the tractor right now without some serious five minutes of how-tos, and I could probably handle a little bit. But I definitely have a large role in the office, and nothing would get done Jordan would be having delinquent bills and accounts if he didn't have me around. Let me put it that way. Oh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, I hate that. (laughs) I despise that stuff. And that's what Emily does. Emily is, I mean, 50-50 partner with the farm, no doubt in my mind. But a lot of couples don't look at it that way. They think that the farm wife should be doing the books, should be making sure the bills are 
paid on time and be making me a sandwich too. Well, sometimes I do make a lot of sandwiches, but I definitely think that that is a dual purpose role. And if you're a mom, you kind of fall into all kinds of different things. And then to be a farmer on top of that is an added bonus, maybe added work too. I'm not sure if it's a bonus in a good way or a bad way, but it's a bonus for sure. Okay, let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about using social media. You're big on the Instagram. Is that your big platform? The gram, yes, my favorite. Okay, so what do you hope? When someone asks you, why do you do Instagram? What do you hope to get out of using that? Isn't that an interesting question that I can't answer? So one of my local friends, was visiting with me the other day and she said, I can understand why you as a farmer and a farm wife would like Instagram. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, tell me more. And she said, well, it's your community. You're reaching out to people who are like-minded. And I think that's exactly right. And so my big goals with Instagram, I really don't know. I'm still kind of figuring that out as I go, but I don't have a job where I go to work with people who do the same thing as me, except for my mother-in-law. And I love her, but there's no one else. Mm -hmm. And so to talk about those same problems, good things, bad things, fun days, bad days with other women that are my age, similar-minded people believe the very same things that we do. And to find that in that community on Instagram, that's why I like Instagram so much. But as far as where I'm going, still figuring it all out. There are a lot of other careers out there that are as isolated as agriculture, but honestly, not a lot. I mean, we're we're isolated. And what you just said is, I think, uh, the reason that a lot of people in ag are so heavily into social media. We got no water cooler to sit around and talk to other people. I mean, this is basically it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You can only call so many people on the phone. You only know so many people. And I'm so thankful for things like Instagram and Facebook because I wouldn't have met Whitney. And Whitney is my co-host on the podcast. Or you guys, we would never have met. There's so many benefits that have come to my life from social media. And I really enjoy it. That Whitney's a little sketchy. Oh, I knew you were going to say something about her. Okay, you're doing the Midwest Wives Farm Girls Gone Wild podcast. And you, how many yes, episodes are it. you in now? We are getting ready to record number nine. So we've recorded eight. Number nine. Okay. So what was the reasoning behind doing this? Very similar to the Instagram. Whitney and I had found each other on that platform and we had a lot of the same things to say. We had very different audiences separately and she had a calling to do a podcast. I said, Hey, I would be interested. And from there we kind of just connected and worked our schedules out and we record every other week, which actually is kind of hard to schedule all that in, but we are definitely enjoying the ride that we are on. I'm going to ask you a question that's maybe a little inside baseball on podcasting, right? Because when I decided to do mine, right off the bat, I told myself that I was going to interview as many women as I was going to interview men. And I was either Uh going to alternate or whatever. So I was going to have the same amount because I did not want to isolate. Because you're talking 50%. You're giving it 50% of an audience. 
So do you feel like by having the Midwest Wives Farm podcast, Girls Gone Wild, I mean, do you think you're isolating half your audience by not uh, talking to men? When we started the podcast, we didn't have that broad view of an audience. We knew we would want to target women and farm wives and people who were like us when we started it. But I'm telling you, the podcast was as simple as, okay, you want to do it? Yeah, sure. Can you download this app? Okay. Like Whitney and I spoke to each other the first time when we started recording episode one, like spoke on the phone. Is that why it's so, so we bad? Even the first episode is, oh my gosh, if, you, if you're listening and you listen to episode one, please listen to episode two. <laughs> I'll say, I thought the first eight were pretty bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's sad. I, I do mean, listen we, to it. I listen to it because it it is, I would say it's one of the best ag podcasts out there. That's very nice of you to say. I appreciate it. I hope Emily likes it too. No. <laughs> it's fine. I know she does. <laughs> All right. So now you are eight, nine episodes in. What are you finding out? I mean, who's listening? What are they telling you? We've had really, really positive feedback. I think we're hitting that initial group that we had on Instagram that has reached out and told us that they like what we're saying. They agree with it. We haven't had really any negative reviews, so I'm waiting for that to come because constructive criticism is always good. So hopefully it will be constructive when that time does come and we get some hard knocks words, but everything's been really positive and we enjoy talking about, we talk a lot about hard stuff. Some things are just kind of fun and lighthearted. You name it, I think we probably talk about it. Minus maybe like tractor mechanics. It's not really kind of on our radar. Launch that sucker on Twitter and you'll get your negativity. Oh, yeah. That's okay. We'll just stay where there's positive people. <laughs> <laughs> are you enjoying it? Is it fun? We are. We have had a really good time just talking. And it's almost like Whitney and I talking to each other, even if we didn't let other people hear it, it's an outlet. A lot of times you see a podcast start with two people and it goes for a while. And then, and I did this uh, originally when it was um, Carrie Zoka and I, we did The Farmer and the City Girl. We talked for a while. I mean, I don't know how many episodes it went. And eventually there was no more for her. And I had to say, that's when we started interviewing people. Is that something that you guys are considering? We have started interviewing people, not necessarily for the same reason. And maybe someday Whitney and I won't have as much to talk about, but I doubt it. We're both females and we can talk for days about nothing, I think. But we have started interviewing other farm women regarding the topic that the podcast that week has been about. And we're doing that every other week currently. And that's been a fun addition to listen to someone else talk besides Whitney and I. Yeah, I would agree. I would say about anybody is better than you two. Thank you. So nice. <laughs> I'm going to switch gears on you again. Okay. With the hogs. That's a hot button, right? Because you got these nut job, whack job, ludicrous people that think what you're doing is murder. Does that worry you, the activist? It does. I would honestly say I have just recently gotten enough courage to start posting pictures of our pigs in barns 
of our pigs in general because I was scared of getting backlash from really strong activists. Really? Individuals. I, yeah, I absolutely. And I believe what we are doing is so right and that we take such good care of our animals. But it is an interesting world out there. And so I'm just gaining the confidence and the courage to post. And it's gotten good feedback so far, but it is definitely a worry. I'm not sitting there trying to be negative on this. I'm glad your post no, knows, but it's coming, right? Eventually, they're going to pick up on it. Right. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's just a small thing. But sometimes it is a coordinated attack on anybody that's doing livestock. Are you ready to realize that it's really not real people? This is a handful of people using bots and that. You know, you can say you're ready, but are you really ready for that? I have extremely thick skin and so I would be overwhelmed by it not no joke about that I'm not going to say that I would it would not bother me that's not true it would absolutely bother me but as long as it didn't cause any grief or issues with my family that would be my biggest concern you know I have like I said I have tough skin I can really handle a lot even if it does bother me a little bit I can you know work through it but I don't want it to come down on my husband or my in-laws I, that would be my biggest fear. It's tough because they know that. And I've I've had it on multiple occasions. I mean, my family just knows it and they're okay with it. But I've had them make fun of my wife. I've had them make fun of my kids. And I know it's just to get to me. I know it's to intimidate me not to post. In my case, it's more of the, uh, the GMO stuff rather than the livestock. But they'll do that. They'll do that for that exact reason, because we can pick on Kylie, but we know if we insult her kids, that that's really going to make her stay up at night, and that's going to keep her from posting again in the future. Yep, that mama bear instinct will kick in strong. Mm-hmm. But you think you'll be know. all right with it? I guess we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Do you want to know a tip? Sure. Alcohol helps. Perfect. I like alcohol. That'll be great. (laughs) Is there any fear of actual activists coming to your farm? Always in the back of your mind, definitely. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I think the chances of that happening in Missouri are very, very, very slim, but I could see why that always is in the back of your head. Yeah, you never know, but you see these horrible stories of people taking animals out of the barn. And to me, that is just stealing and it's invading property. And there's all of these things. I don't care about what they're doing with their lives. And so why are they so passionately caring about how we raise food to feed the world? I shouldn't say I don't care because I I don't, I guess I don't care. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense what I just said? No, but I wasn't listening. So, okay. Tell me this. How many kids do you have? I have two beautiful blonde-headed kids. Okay. How old? Four and two. Four and two. All right. So, yeah, boy, I tell you, <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. <laughs> oh, I know, but they are so sweet. We have a little boy and a little girl. Do you like that they're going to grow up on a farm? Oh, my gosh, yes. My kids will be farm kids through and through. We don't have any livestock here at home yet, but Jordan doesn't know it. We're going to have a a bottle calf someday. 
Uh, okay. All right. The reason that I think that is a good idea is because your kids are going to raise that bottle calf. They're going to name that bottle calf, and then they're going to eat that calf. Or sell it. Well, still, they're going to know that that calf is going to be no longer Value. because it's going to be a food. Yep. Agreed. That work ethic is crazy. And they're going to cry when you sell that thing the first time. But, I mean, that's going to be a lesson that a lot of utes in this world never learn. I did not learn it until, you know, that's something that I had to adapt to and really understand the older I got because I wasn't raised on a farm. That's kind of interesting. Now that you were a hog farmer, I mean... Was that ever an issue? Did you ever have to kind of come to uh, terms with yourself to realize that you are raising animals to be food? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. You just like bacon. I've always been fine with it. Yep. Everybody loves bacon and nobody likes pigs. We (laughs) like pigs. One of the things I did not like raising pigs, and I never, I would really admit this when I was doing it because I just didn't want to admit it, but Mm -hmm. you were the pig person, all right? You were the one that had the odor in the neighborhood. Does that ever bother you? No, I don't know. I don't think so. We actually have a guy who has chicken manure like two squares down from us to, you know, 160 acre patches. That smells really bad. I've never really thought that our hog building smelled that bad, but I'm sure people do consider us the smelly people. You know what? The new buildings are amazing. Maybe you have never experienced the buildings built 20 years ago or whatever, but the ventilation yes, in the I new have. ones, have you? Is there's quite a difference yeah, in there? A, mm-hmm, there is. They have all kinds of new technology that helps to mitigate that smell. People plant more trees. It's not our goal to be the stinky people as hog farmers, but it's just part of it. Pigs poop, and that's just it is what it is. It's great fertilizer. Pumping some on right now. <laughs> all right so a lot of times well every time when i ask someone to be on a podcast i ask them like five things that you want people to know about you after listening and you gave me five didn't you i gave you four i'll be damned there is only four there think of a fifth. <laughs> yeah okay and i replied to you i said well that sounds like you're getting ready for a young leader discussion meet now tell me about you uh, did that make any sense to you not at first, but I had a really hard time coming up with five things to talk about myself. I could talk to anyone for days. I enjoy talking, but to find out and to think of five things that you want other people to know about you, wow, that's tough. I am truly, truly, for once in my life, not making fun of you here, but I would like to point out something on your first list. Because it is generally what everybody does in agriculture. You know, you talk about your farm, you talk about pork production, stuff like that. It's not about you. To me, in my mind, when I read that, that, well, that's not what I want to talk about because that's not really you. That is just kind of the standard things that all farm media has talked about for millennia or whatever. Do you think that the social media where, you know, I get to... Uh, see a glimpse of your life. I get to see you talking about things in your stories or whatever. To me, that's what I like is because I get to know the real person. That's interesting. Now, do you think that is something that agriculture will ever embrace or is it going to be like those first four things? Is it going to always be like that? 
I hope that it starts to embrace the individuality of farmers and farming. But I will also say it has to own part of that first four things that I said, because farmers identify so strongly with their farm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things about me that may be good things, bad things, real things that I can talk about in my stories or on Instagram that I wouldn't necessarily boast about, you know, on here, just on my own. If I'm asked by you, sure, I'll talk about it, but it may not be something I would just talk about candidly. But I identify so much with our farm because that's just what we do. That's who we are more than what we do. So it's easy to say, Let's talk about our family farm because it is so awesome working with your family and crazy and sometimes not as fun as it should be, but it's very, very raw and you learn a lot about each other and pig production is really cool. And I I don't know. It's so, I think it needs to be like a 50, 50 split, but I agree that right now we are on the PG fluffy version, my first four answers, but it should ease in with the individuality of you know, individual farmers. Well, I'll say that's generally the five that I get. And that's my general response. So it sounds like you're, you know, sounds like you've been trained by Farm Bureau and this, that, and the other. But (laughs) so it wasn't not just you. But I think what the benefit with you is, especially with this podcasting connection, because Emily and you and me and Whitney all kind of talked together with some other podcasting people. So I did know you more. So it's like when you were giving me those five, I'm like, to me, if you talk about the person, you're going to learn about the farm. That's just sure. me. That's the way we've always approached it. I wish ag media would approach that a little bit more, but so far I haven't seen a whole lot of it. But hey, could be that Midwest FarmWise podcast doing that. Maybe. I hope so. I hope we're real. I hope we deliver a very raw look into what it's like being in the Midwest and living the farmer, farm wife life. And that's what we try to do. Can we bring up something that is proof that you're insane? Sure. You wash your toilet bowl brush. I did. But that's only because Whitney convinced me to honestly probably would have just left it be gross, maybe buy a new one. But Whitney convinced me that I could be a little more frugal and try to clean it. And this is what I like, even though it's a chick podcast, right? This is what I like about your podcast, because it is not just the, I don't know, the typical thing you always hear. I mean, you guys, you talk about stuff that maybe isn't the most important at time, but it shows that you're real. Are you listening? All right. Are you ready for this? I'm listening. You can buy a toilet bowl brush for a buck at the dollar store. (laughs) You don't have to clean the damn thing. I live really far from a dollar store, just for the record. Okay. Do you have a closet or a place in your house where you could store several (laughs) items? Probably Okay. Next time you're at a dollar store, buy 12. You could have one every month. Rob, you're so stuck on this toilet brush thing. We have so many more positive, better things to say on our podcast, but this toilet bowl brush cleaner. I'm just trying to help. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. I'll pick up an extra one next time I'm at the store. Extra 12. Can't believe your house is that small. You could probably find a nook and or cranny where you can put them. One every month. Yes. Change Just like you change your toothbrush. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, Kylie. Now tell everybody out there where they can find you. 
Absolutely. You can find my main social media account on Instagram at The Grateful Farm Wife. I have a blog, thegratefulfarmwife.com, and I also have a farm Facebook page, Epperson Family Farms. You can find me at any of those locations. All right. What's your LinkedIn? I don't have a LinkedIn, but you know, I should. Your Twitter? Okay. Your Gab? Twitter. How about your Gab handle? I don't. I don't even know what that is. Okay. This isn't going well, but that's fine. I guess go follow her on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Kylie, it's been fun to get to know you. It really has. And it's fun to see what you and Whitney are doing. Emily will tell you, it's kind of uh, like sparked something for egg podcasting again, to see you two doing it, having a lot of fun, and just going out there and being yourself. So I want to thank you for all of that. I really appreciate the opportunity to get to know you guys and get on the podcast. It's been great. and We appreciate all your support. Well, Kylie Epperson, thank you so much. And to everybody else, we hope you tune in next week. And thank you for listening to the Shark Farmer Podcast. I am your host, Rob Sharkey. Please visit us at www.sharkeyfarms.com. And just search for Shark Farmer to follow me on Twitter. Later. Later.